Well, friends, you can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, we're going to be looking at that, uh, walking through this letter from Paul to the church of the ancient city of Ephesus, as we have been for a number of weeks now. And man, I'm just so blown away by how much is loaded, how much this, oh, this book is just loaded. It, it, God covers so much ground in just a few short chapters. It's, it's quite staggering, actually. And today we're looking at a few verses that I believe, um, I believe God clearly shows us a few things. And one of the central ideas of this passage is that uh, we are called to live intentionally. And, and, and so today I want to talk about that a little bit, because everybody wants to live intentionally. Nobody wanna, wants to live the opposite of that, right? Nobody wants to live accidentally. Uh, they want to live on purpose. And as a parent, if you're a parent, you'd get this. In our house, we have a lot of accidents. You know what I mean? Like, Seriously, every day I probably hear it was, I didn't do that on purpose, it was an accident. I hear that all the time. If we break something, it was an accident. If someone does something wrong, it was an accident, right? If someone hits someone, how's that an accident? But it's an accident, you know what I mean? There's always an accident. It was a couple years ago, or no, in a couple, last year, Grayson throws a remote at the TV so hard that it cracks the TV, right? Which is pretty hard, and he, he goes, I'm sorry, it was an accident. What did I say? Nice arm, son, you're gonna be a quarterback. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, this, Paul is saying in this letter, I don't want you to live by accident. I want you to live on purpose. And I've reminded us of what Paul is doing in this letter a number of times. You remember Paul is, he spends the first half of the book, uh, the first three chapters, just going on and on about God and how good he is. And he, cops, he starts talking about how we're blessed. And I've said this many times because I think we've got to continue to remember what Paul is doing. And he keeps going on and on about the goodness of God, how we've been blessed, and how we've received an inheritance. He keeps, he's like saying, yay, God, yay, you, yay, all of us because of God. That's what he does the first three chapters. And then, this, and then he turns the corner in chapter four, and on this last half of the book, he's saying, and if you believe all this stuff, if you believe God is who he's, I'm saying is, if you want Jesus in your life, then it ought to mean something. Then it ought to mean something to how you live. You should no longer be the same. The old self that you used to be, now that you believe in God, you should be becoming the new self. And so he's getting pretty serious. So I say it like this. Paul is not just one of those guys that says, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. No, he's like, God is good all the time and all the time. That means I need to be changing my life to the way that God wants me to live, right? That's what he's doing, which I think is Brilliant, because he's saying, yeah, God is good, but it means something more than just his goodness. It means something about you and me and the way we live. And so this passage is in the middle of this encouragement, in the middle of us teaching about this way to live as Christians. And here's what I'd say is, for all of us, there's a question. What does it mean to be human and to claim Jesus as our Savior? What does that really mean? And what does it mean to be the people of God and as its church? What, is, what do those two things mean? And I, I really truly believe if you sat down and everybody, we all had a conversation about that, we'd realize how, many, how much we are still trying to figure that, those things out. Like so many of us are just trying to copy what everybody else does, which we talked about last week. Copy what everyone else does. We come to church, we go, well, this is what it means. It must mean this. And he's saying, no, it, there's a whole bunch of things it means, and I want you to understand these things. And so this is where he gets and what he's getting into and we're going to read Ephesians. Oh, good, we have it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like the fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk on wine. 
because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. There's a verse in the middle of that that I know you guys are all dying to talk about. Don't be drunk on wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, someone in here is thinking, this is a really good verse, because I don't like wine. I'm more of a whiskey, Hennessy person. <laughs> more of a homebrew connoisseur. You're like, no, he's talking about alcohol, okay? He's saying, don't get drunk on alcohol. Now, this is an interesting sentence, um, because it kind of seems to come out of nowhere, and if you're thinking that it does, it kind of does. Um, now, we never talked about alcohol in our church, I don't believe, so this should be fun. And so we'll just pause on it for just a minute, because we should. Um, now, I believe anybody that takes a sip of alcohol is going to hell. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, uh, nowhere in the Bible does it say anything about drinking alcohol is a sin. Uh, the only thing it teaches is that drunkenness is, and that we should not, be get, we should not get drunk. And this, but it's interesting that he brings up drinking wine and being filled with the Spirit as like a compare and contrast, you know what I mean, sort of idea. And he does, this happens another time, but in real time, in Acts 2, if you remember this story. In Acts 2, let me just go to it real quickly. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a run-up to what I'm about to read. What happens in Acts 2 is the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down on the people, poured out, and then they're doing all sorts of crazy things throughout Jerusalem by spreading the gospel. And then we get to this line, and it says, amazed and perplexed, they ask one another. Now, they is the city, the people of the city. They're going, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning, which is awesome because he's sitting there saying it takes at least until after lunch. You guys know. You guys know these guys. They can, it's only nine. So why... There's so many questions around this. Why is Paul talking about drunkenness? Why are these people thinking because they're doing things in the spirit, they must be drunk? Well, there's some interesting things that I think happen. It must, there must be some similarities, shouldn't there? I mean, there must be. There must be some things that are, that are true of both. And perhaps, perhaps in the city of Jerusalem on that day in Acts 2, perhaps the only time they'd ever seen people so brave, so bold, so full of joy was when they were drunk, right? They'd never seen people act the way they were acting except people who were inebriated. And... Alcohol makes people brave and happy. Now, not everybody, but a lot of people it does because it's depressant. That doesn't make any sense. But let me explain what that means. It means it depresses parts of your brain. It depresses what you see as reality. And so you don't actually see as much of reality, and so it can take away negative thoughts. It can take away inhibitions. It can take away your fears, and all of a sudden you have courage and joy and boldness that you've never had before because your brain has been depressed because you see less of reality and you start acting differently. Now the Spirit has the same characteristics. If you're filled with the Spirit, you're you're, you have less inhibition, less fear, your courage, your boldness. However, it acts in completely the opposite way. You're not depressed in your brain at all. In fact, you actually see more of reality. And because you're seeing more of reality, you actually start to act in a way in which you're uninhibited by the things that used to keep you grounded in fear because now you have the boldness because you see who God really is and what he's really up to and you actually have a supernatural cognition in your brain 
that makes you act out and your heart transformed into acts of courage and joy, which the only other time in this day and age that people saw people act that way was when they were drunk. Hmm. So, Paul is, but it still doesn't, here's the thing, Paul doesn't know all this. Paul's not going, well, alcohol is a depressant, you don't understand the psychological impact. He, Paul's saying, what, why does he bring up wine? I, just, I think it's a good to ask ourselves why we we're reading what we're reading. And, and I gotta believe that he's bringing up something that's very relevant and very real to people, right? He's looking around at, at his church and he's saying, Listen, Christ followers then and Christ followers today, we have to live, he says, be careful, live carefully. We have to live carefully and with wisdom. He uses the word wisdom when it comes to alcohol. It's such a part of so many people's social life. Some of you, it's part of your business life. Some of you, it's part of your, in this day and age, it was even part of the religious life, right? In much more way than it is today. And he's saying, don't let the best moments of your bravery and your courage and your unashamed joy be because you're under the influence of alcohol. Don't let alcohol run your life. Don't let, it, don't let it control your life because it says in there, it says it'll ruin you. And for that matter, no act of gluttony, no act of obsession or addiction, right? It's good for us. Instead, be filled with the Spirit where you will come into touch with real courage and real joy and let the Spirit lead you. Because the Spirit gives us the ability to see the world and all of its fullness of its reality. That's what the Spirit gives us the ability to see, right? So, he makes this relatable contrast, right, by referencing alcohol and says there's something better. Don't be drunk on wine, but it's, in essence, be drunk on the Spirit, right? It's a better way to live. So I began today by saying we were going to talk about living intentionally, but then we had this wine line I had to talk about. Now we can talk about the rest. Believe it or not, we're talking about it, and we are kind of easing into it. And living intentionally requires seeing the world with the right set of eyes. I don't know if you, most of you have probably been to the eye doctor at some point in your life. They put the machine over your eyes, and they start putting the lenses in front of you. They say A or B, B or C, yes, this better, no. You know what I'm talking about? And what are they doing? They're, of course, putting different lenses in front of your eye because they want you to get to the place where you can see the most clearly. They want to get the best vision for you to be able to see what's going on. And we all know, though, what's interesting about even that little idea is that everybody sees the world a little differently, don't they? You know, the idea that we're all looking through the same set of lenses is, is hopeful at best. Everybody sees the world a little differently. Have you ever had the experience where you maybe watch a movie and you're like, you get over, it gets over and you're like, I love that movie. And somebody else, you just saw it with you, is like, I hated it. You're like, were we watching the same movie? Well, I went to, uh, uh, not this Christmas, but last Christmas, I went to the Star Wars version of movie Rogue One. You remember Rogue One? It was not really, really Star Wars, but it was Star Wars. You know what I'm talking about? It was like a whole different side story. You guys know what I'm talking about. Nod your head if you're like with me, right? It was like Luke Skywalker's not in this one and Han Solo. Nobody's in it, but it's connected to the story, but it's not the main story. And I go to the movie knowing this. And I'm no Star Wars geek. I mean, I was wearing my Chewy costume, but I'm no Star Wars geek. <laughs> no, I really wasn't. And, um, and I don't know a lot, but I knew this. I knew that this movie that I was going to see, the truth about the movie was that it was not the main storyline. There was going to be no Luke Skywalker, no Chewie, no... I knew all that. And... But the people I went with didn't. 
And they're watching the movie, and they're waiting for their favorite characters to show up, and, and they never did. And the movie gets over, and I'm like, man, that was pretty cool. They tied the storyline into the other storyline, and, and they're like, I didn't get it. I was so confused. I was like, where's Luke? And they're like, I hated it. And I was like, and, and here's what I, here, you know what's interesting about that is when you're looking through the lens of truth, right, when you have the understanding of what the truth is, you can actually see it more clearly. It's not as confusing. And, and my little movie is, this, is a great example of this, but think about life. Like when people aren't looking through the lens of truth, their perception of reality and the perception of the world around them is going to be foggy. It's going to be confusing. And then you're going to hear people say, you know, I, I just don't get it. I'm just going to worry about myself. You ever heard that? I don't, I don't get all this other stuff. I just got to take care of me. And in some way, so many ways, this is what is happening, is that we have to, this, the Spirit, if you will, gives us the ability to see not only our life, but also the whole world uh, through the true lens of truth. And I think for some of us, we're still trying to figure that out. We're going A or B, which one's better? Um, nearly all of you know, probably, if you've been with us for any time, that in 2015 I wrote a book uh, called Doing Things That Matter. Uh, but what you might not know is on a bestseller list, which I'm pretty proud of. Um, it was my, my bestseller list. Um, <laughs> this is the, my best-selling book ever. Um, sold tens of books. Uh, anyway, <laughs> one of the themes of that book um, was that we cannot live life by accident. Um, that we can't just live the life that's handed to us, right? That we must live on purpose. That we must live intentionally. Uh, and and, I, and I, in that idea is that we can, we can live intentionally in, in nearly every aspect of our life, within our dreams and within our neighborhoods and with our friends and families. And That there's something that, that God is always compelling us to do that, that truly matters in those places that we're in. The, place, the people in the places we inter intersect every day, there's always an opportunity for us to say, God, what do you want me to do here? Because I'm willing to do it, whatever it may be. Which is why I love this scripture that we're going to kind of turn to in verse 17. He says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now, in this verse, he says, right before that, by the way, he says, live, you know, be careful in how you live. Don't be a fool, but be wise. But then he says, don't act thoughtlessly, meaning... Think about what you're doing, and then he says, and understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now that's, again, not an easy task. How do we, how do we even figure out what the Lord wants us to do? I don't know if anybody's ever struggled with that before, and you're sitting there, anybody have the question, like, and if it is what the Lord wants us to do, I mean, how do I know that? If it's, what if it's me that wants to be the one to do that? And is it me or God? And if it is me, is that wrong? Anybody have that thought? With good questions, which leads us naturally, uh, to the Twinkie. And I know you guys are like going, we're, this is all over. We're wine, we're lenses, and Star Wars, and yeah, I know. But it's all coming together. There's a, there's a big master plan that's unfolding before your eyes. Um, this brings us to the Twinkie and the apple. And I've been waiting um, uh, to do an illustration. Twinkies are one of my favorite illustrations. This chemically engineered sponge, sponge cake that we have here is a, a quite an interesting human feat that we've created this without actually using food. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, 
I know uh, the Twinkie and the apple represent a decision for you and me. And, and the decision is, what does the Lord want me to do? Remember, don't act thoughtlessly, but do what the Lord wants you to do. Um, does the Lord, so we pray, Lord, do you want me to eat the, the Twinkie or the apple or both? What, what's the answer? And my, my friend Jeremy Kubitschek, um, he talks about the Twinkie and the apple decision as a trading up decision. And um, he wrote a book called Five Gears in which he talks about this idea of living uh, accidentally or living intentionally. And he kind of, I'll talk about trading up in a second, but he, he, he kind of compares it to living accidentally is the parent, right, that, that has the hope that their kid's going to grow up to be responsible, but then they, they really don't do anything very intentional as a parent. Or maybe it's the business owner who, who really wants to see the business take a turn, but they keep doing the same thing and they haven't really done anything and they're just kind of resting in their hope. Or the person who says, I hope I have enough to retire on someday, but they're not doing anything in their life to really plan for retirement. They're just kind of thinking that someday the money's going to be there. And that's living accidentally, right? Where you're just sort of hoping and resting in hope that the things that you want to see happen in your life actually happen, but you're not actually doing anything intentional to get to that place. And so many people live in that space. We live accidentally and we, and we just sort of let life happen, if you will. And, and I hear people say that all the time. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm just going to let life happen. Whatever comes my way, I'm just going to go with it. Like, I'm just going to trust fate, right? And, and they have these sort of men, this mentality that life is actually in, in charge of your life, meaning whatever happens is actually what should be your life versus maybe God is something in me that I'm supposed to go with initiate and create and do because I just think that people that have that sort of mentality well they're missing out on something because the things that matter in this world are almost almost exclusively led by people who decided to do something right who decided that I'm just not going to sit around and wait on hope or hope for the best because the people who wait around they're essentially just riding the coattails of those who actually did live intentionally and did create something and they get to reap the benefits of others in this world while they sit around hoping for the best. So I have uh, another little sidebar and I know I'm a little random today, but you know one thing that I was thinking about as we were even shaping this idea of living intentionally, I think so many people have bought into this thought that they want to have a, a perfect life. And, and, and there's actually studies about millennials, by the way, so if you're millennial, um, this is all about you and all of us that are older. We're totally perfect. Um, no, but there's studies on millennials. Studies on millennials that, that really have this, they have this deep desire to have a perception of a perfect life. And what they mean by that is that they, they're really afraid to take risks and because they want to stay secure and they want to, in essence, sort of look cool and look successful. And I think this is really, this goes all the way up the chain, not just for millennials, for people in life. And so what happens is we risk, we don't risk failure. And instead, we stay in this safe sort of confines of something that's low risk and that continues to give us the, uh, the, the allure, or excuse me, the illusion of, of success, right? And so we don't risk a lot. And what happens is when we don't risk, we aren't taking swings and we're not, taking, uh, we're not willing to fall on our face so, much, so, so to speak. And so what happens is we actually miss out on the opportunities for us to actually sometimes connect and knock it out of the park because we won't even swing. And so we're addicted to perfection and we, don't, we won't risk failure. And really what happens is we're limiting what the Spirit may be leading on us because I think sometimes for us, it's really through the failures of swinging and trusting the Lord, even in our success and failures, that we start to see the Spirit's gripped and filled our life, and now we're pushing forward and we're living intentionally. So that's just a little thought, but back to this twinkie in the apple. I told you my friend 
talks about trading up in life. And a, a couple days ago, I went to him as I was preparing this message and said, okay, living intentionally, living accidentally. Two minutes, go. And I just let him talk, you know? I was just like, this talk. And he said, essentially, living intentionally is about trading up. And I said, okay, let's talk about that. And he kind of gave me some things. And I said, can I use some of your resources and share it with our church? And he said, of course. And, and so he says, this represents a thing. And you, have a, you can go to the slides. Living intentionally, this first one is this. Think about it this way, like a snack, right? Trading up is, is, an, is, a, is, a, is a Twinkie or an apple, right? A, a sugar snack or a healthy snack. I know this is getting very practical. But the idea of your life and trading up in it and being intentional with even a snack is saying, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make it. I'm going to trade up in my decisions, and I'm not going to have the sweet, sugary thing. But I'm going to have something healthy. All right, it makes sense. But if you keep digging deeper and just thinking about your day, living intentionally daily through the practical things of your life, what about when you when you wake up? Some of us wake up at the last minute. No judgment. You wake up at the last minute, and you're like as fast as you can to get out the door because you want to get as much sleep as you can, and you wake up at the last minute. But studies, again, once again, they show that waking up earlier is actually much better for you because you can actually go into your day with a more healthy perspective. And so perhaps for you, it's just like trading up is saying, you know, I gotta wake up earlier if I wanna be more intentional with who I'm becoming. All right, practical stuff, right? What about the first thing you do? The first thing you do, some of us, the first thing we do is we get on our phone and we look, check our email or we get on social media, right? And that's the first thing that we do. And instead, what if trading up for you is like, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna put the phone down, I'm gonna leave the phone where it needs to stay uh, for a while. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be more intentional about reading. Maybe it's the the word and praying for my day before. That's the first thing that's gonna happen in my life, every day. Or perhaps your drive time. Now, for me, for years, uh, I've listened to a lot of hours and endless hours of sports radio, and so this is just my example. But sports radio and 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 just like, what if I said my drive time needs to be more intentional? What if it was, okay, I'm gonna listen to a podcast that's really gonna feed my soul, or I'm gonna use that as a relational time around call a friend and check on them, instead of just numbing out to sports radio. You know what I mean? Some of you, maybe you don't listen to sports radio, maybe it's something else that's just purely like entertainment for you, and, and maybe you can be more intentional with that time. Am I saying these things are bad? No, we'll come to that in a second. Um, or perhaps uh, on your downtime, <laughs> this one will get us. For a lot of us, downtime is just like, it just means like television, right? Binge watching is the thing. And so maybe instead of binge watching, it's saying, you know what? There's going to be nights where I just need to not go to the television and I need to read a book or I need to, if you're married, have a conversation with my spouse or if you're not married, have a conversation with a friend or call someone in your family and check off on them and, and have more meaningful conversations. Or perhaps family time. When it comes to your family, there's so many people that have no plans for their family time. They just like, they just, they give their best to everybody else all day long and then they come home and there's family and it's just like we're together there's no plan, there's no development in terms of how do I, especially if you have, if you're a parent, how you lead your kids or how you even disciple. Does anybody have a plan for how they disciple their kids? Maybe it's this time for you to get some plans. So some of these are pretty simple, right? But they're not that simple, are they? Or what about money? Some of us live in the space of just paying the bills and then we spend everything, right? We spend all of our money and we're just kind of like, that's where we're at. We just live in that space of, we, we've been, most of us, we have so much money but we spend it all and we, have, we think we have no money. And maybe instead it's about saying, how do I steward my resources? And how, do I, how do I start thinking differently about what God's given me to where I can live a better life, be more impactful for his kingdom? And then the last one, I just put being filled. 
being filled, meaning here's the wine and spirit thing, and wine represents not just per- perhaps wine for you, but more than that, just the thing that controls us, the thing that maybe has come into our life and started to really fill us with something that shouldn't be, and almost like a drunken state, and maybe instead we need to start figuring out what it means to be filled with the Spirit. So it's important to note that this, this side over here, this isn't a list of sins, is it? No. You're, you're allowed to do these things. I mean, get after a binge-watch season. I don't care, right? But what I'm saying is there's got to be some intentionality around that, doesn't there? There needs to be intentionality in your life. And so this is just an idea of saying, how do I trade up in certain spaces in my life where I'm going to start living intentionally? Maybe discipleship calls you to this, to where your life is going to have moments where you're bringing greater value to who you're becoming. So the Spirit, by the way, isn't always, and what I love about this kind of list, the Spirit isn't always like leading you to do like what we would quote call spiritual things. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, oh, read the Bible in a year, go on a mission trip, you know, uh, you know fast for 40 days and 40 nights. The, the, the Spirit says other things, by the way. He's not just always like super spiritual. Sometimes he's very practical. Sometimes the Spirit's like, you know what? Turn the radio off. You know what I mean? And, and the Spirit wants you to start seeing your life not just through um, this, this lens that categorizes things, but through the lens of truth, right? The lens of truth saying he wants to impact every moment of your day. And he wants you to live intentionally, to not act thoughtlessly, but to understand what the Lord wants you to do, right? So maybe there's some one or two examples. And then ask Jeremy one more thing. I knew he had this. This is really why I came to him and asked him. I, again, my friend Jeremy, who leads an organization called Giant, Ashley works at it. It's amazing amazing organization. Anyway, I asked him about this other thing that I know he has, and I've seen him use, and it's called the circles of influence, and you can go to that slide, and, and really, so maybe you're like, ah, you know, those are the practical things, and then this is really where it's at, though. Am I living intentionally or accidentally in the spheres of my life? Am I living intentionally within myself, my family, my friends, my organization, my community, and what, what that looks like is, are you living accidentally just, you're not really thinking about it. You're not really doing something about it, but so what I'm going to challenge you to do as I talk about this just for a minute is what is the space or maybe the two spaces that you're like, that, is, that nails it for me. For some of us, it's like the self, right? Like, I'm not intentional myself. I take care of everybody else. And if I get to myself, great, but I pretty much just sort of, my mind is always on taking care of everything else that needs to be done. And I don't do a lot of self-care, a lot of self-development. And I'm not intentional with who I am. Some of us, it's the family space, right? We do, like I just said a minute ago, we knock it out of the park at work, and we come home and we check out. You know what I'm talking about? And we're not intentional in the family space. And we just kind of we kind of take the family for granted. They know us, and we just don't really lean into saying, "How do I strengthen this marriage, or how do I strengthen this this bond with my my, my brothers or sisters, or or perhaps even um, your your of course your as parents, your kids." And then the next space, friends, which I'll, I'll kind of th- throw that as a bigger category, even that maybe this church, like how are we being intentional with people? I, I would, we, we increase say this all the time, friendships, friendships don't happen by accident. No, I mean, they take a lot of intentionality, a lot. And then organization, what does it call that? Your work or your school? How are you being intentional in that space? Are you just kind of going through the motions or do you need to get intentional about who God's called you to be and what he's calling you to do and are you in the right place doing the right things that God has wired you to do that you feel a passion about and of course that last place community what is again our city your neighborhood are you being intentional in your neighborhood do you know your neighbor's names 
I mean, this is like so much stuff, isn't it? It's like, how am I going to tackle all these things? Everything from when I wake up in the morning to my neighbors across the street to, I mean, living intentionally is a lot of work, isn't it? Living intentionally and acting not thought, or he says, don't act thoughtlessly, but acting full of thoughts and doing what the Lord wants you to do, it is a journey, I'm telling you. It is not something that will happen overnight, but here's what I would say then. How do you tackle this? You start choosing some space, something that you're going to start moving forward and trading up in and saying, I'm going to be more intentional about that in my life, and I'm no longer going to accept the status quo and the mediocrity anymore, and I'm going to become who God really wants me to be, and I'm not just going to continue to wallow, if you will, in this idea that I'm just going to go with the flow. So, let me me read the scripture again. And we're about done. So be careful how you live. We're actually going to worship in a minute. Um, Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. If you really listen to this, this sounds like a wake-up call, doesn't it? Oh, wait, God already thought of that. What's the verse right before that? Awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. (laughs) For a lot of us, we need a wake-up call. And and I hope in some ways, as practical as this has been, I hope it sort of can serve as that for you, like a wake-up call. It's time for you to be intentional about who you're becoming, about the things that you do with the with the small moments of your day and the big spaces of your life, that you're like saying, it's not okay for me to just float, for me to just wait, for me to just hope that, it's, that God has called me to be a person that does things that matter every day for the people and places I intersect every day. This is what it looks like to be a person that says, I see the potential of every moment, every person, every relationship as an opportunity. What does he say? To make the most of every opportunity. I see them as an opportunity not just to make their day better, not just to be kind, but to, to hopefully share Jesus, right? And to hopefully expand the kingdom and to advance it forward and to say, you know what? That's what my life's purpose is. That's who I am. I'm no longer that old self because I believe God is who he says he is, because I believe Jesus has done everything he said he is. This is the lens of truth I'm looking through, right? I'm looking through this lens of truth where Jesus is everything. And if I look through that lens, it leads me to some natural conclusions that my whole life has to be oriented around the person of Jesus Christ. That's what it means. And if I'm looking through different lenses and I'm looking through different versions of truth and I'm letting other people tell me that, oh, you know, no, this thing over here is really good too and you should give your life to this as well. It's just, it messes up what you really see. And, and Paul's not done, by the way. This is what he says. He said, if you're looking through the lens of truth, Verses 18 to the end, he says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wake up. Awake, O sleeper. Rise up, right? Rise up. This life, all that it is, all that it can be, it leaves us to one natural response is to worship to worship him because if we believe that jesus is the truth the the only natural response to that truth is to worship is it not this is what paul leads with he leads with that sort of conclusion like by the way you're going to worship if you believe this 
By the way, you're going to worship if you really are, if you're in this with us, you're going to be a person that worship, which is why it's so confusing to me when I see people who claim Jesus and they say they're looking through that lens of truth and they claim Jesus as the truth, yet they struggle to worship. That is like mind-blowing in some ways, isn't it? And I'm, I'm there. Sometimes I struggle to worship and I have to ask myself, am I looking through the lens of truth? Am I looking through the fact that Jesus has done so much? Am I looking through something else? Am I trying to buy into the lies that the deceivers kind of put on me? I'm trying to, trying to believe the things that, that maybe have got me down in the dumps about something that certainly we all get in those places, but in those places, the only thing that will lead you up to a place of celebration and joy and courage and boldness, right, is looking through the lens of Jesus. And understanding he has you and understanding he is worthy of our praise. And so when I look through the lens of truth, that's why it's such a struggle. When I see someone that struggles when congregational worship barely sings, right? Goes home, barely opens the word, barely does anything. Look, I'm just telling you, dropping in on church a couple times a month will never do the trick. Being someone that occasionally minds for a scripture to help you through that problem of the day. I'll never do the trick. Being that person who occasionally calls someone and says, hey, I got a question about God. It'll never do the trick because here's the truth about being filled with the Spirit. It never happens on accident. It only happens on purpose. It only happens to a life that is submitted to saying, I'm going to pursue that. I'm going to go after that. Every fiber of my being is about that. That's the lens of truth that I'm going to live. You see? We're never going to, we're never going to experience all these promises of God by accident. Just because we hope for it, hope is a great thing, but hope is supposed to lead us to becoming that person. So, today we're going to close with a couple songs of worship. And, and here's what's cool, right? Like, so we picked a bunch of songs today. Band, you can go ahead and come. Uh, we picked it very intentionally. We picked songs intentionally. Can you believe that? We picked lyrics intentionally. And then guess what? I wrote this message, every word of it, very intentionally. Seriously. Even what I'm saying right now in this little joke I'm saying, I wrote it. For us to end up at this moment, this exact moment, right? So to end at this exact moment, all of us united with the hope, right? That we're looking through the same lens. That we'd all be in this place saying, that's the right lens. I want to look through the lens of Jesus, and it makes me want to worship. So intentionality leads, leads us to this moment with the hope that we would actually want to worship. So we would look through this lens and we would be filled with the Spirit and the Spirit would cause us to have unusual courage, unashamed boldness, and overwhelming joy. It's kind of like being drunk on the Spirit. So, my friends, I'm going to pray, and then we're gonna, I'm going to invite you to just worship this morning for a couple songs. To, what does it say? Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and make music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that as we spend some time celebrating you, 
lifting our hands, lifting our voices, and proclaiming you as Lord, as the truth. Would you lead us to become people who live intentionally? Today, would you even provoke our minds and our hearts to say, that's the thing I need to start doing, and I need to do it now. I need to start changing my life with my family or my work or my whatever it is, or as small as it is, I need to change my routine when I wake up in the morning. God, would you give us a heart to not just do that, but now, Father, would that all be a sort of represented in our hearts to want to worship you, to give you all the praise and all the glory. We pray all these things in your name.